You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BNH Photography Podcast. Today's topic is perspective control and what better way to control your photographic perspective than subscribing to the BNH Photography Podcast. It's free and easy. Just go to iTunes and sign up if you're not already a subscriber. And if you'd like better insight into our show, head over to the BNH Photography Podcast homepage on the BNH Explorer website where you're going to find show notes, which by the way, are also on iTunes. You could catch all kinds of additional info about the show, photographs, related links, my gearhead picks, and other insightful nuggets of info pertaining to our podcast. In fact, skip the podcast, just go to the notes and you got it. You can save yourself an hour of time. No, just joking there. Okay, let's start with Al's gearhead pick of the week. We just found out that there's a Nikon D850 DSLR, and most of you have probably also heard about it. It was described by one of our colleagues as a camera that checks all of the boxes Nikon users have been asking to be checked. We're going to be doing an in-depth look at the camera on an upcoming episode, but for now, you should know that this camera is the Nikon with the highest resolving power at 45.7 megapixels, has a native ISO up to 25,600 a tilting touchscreen LCD, 4K UHD video at 30 frames per second, continuous shooting at 7 frames per second for up to 51 images and Wi-Fi connectivity. I said the word this time. I got it right. Yeah. We actually have the camera here floating around the office, and we're all pretty impressed with it. I'm more of a mirrorless guy right now, and it's been a while since I've picked up a DSLR that gets me going. This camera's nice. It feels great in the hand. The features are wonderful. And if I was looking at a new system right now, I would definitely take this camera into consideration. All right, then. There you have it. Don't forget about Todd over there. Hi, Todd. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah, aside from the usual uh, suspects here in the show, uh, today we are joined by Todd Vorenkamp, who, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that uh, Todd knows his stuff. Uh, he writes for Explorer. Uh, he, uh, he's the director of our team and a wonderful person, a good shooter, too. We're going to be talking about tilt-shift lenses, and uh, the reason why we're going to be doing it, one of the reasons, aside from the fact that we haven't talked about these yet, is that Canon recently released three new tilt shift lenses they already had a whole series of them they had a 17 millimeter a 24 45 um and it was a 90 i believe and now they have a 50 an upgraded 90 and a 135 f4 uh these are all l lenses and what's kind of neat about these all three of the new canon uh, tilt shift lenses are macros. They all go to half life size. Um, and prior to this, only two or three tilt shift lenses that are available uh, were able to do that. This seems to be a new direction. They also do, uh, they have better coatings to them and they go a little bit further as far as tilt and shift mm -hmm. applications, but we're going to come back to, yeah, that. Come back to that. But Yeah, but why do you think Canon has, has done this? Why do you think they've taken this opportunity to release two tilt shift, three tilt shift lenses? I mean, is there a trend? Is there some reason that we... Uh, well, people are using them more. It's used uh, not just... They were traditionally made for really architecture and product photography to uh, uh, correct converging lines or keystoning, as it's called, in architecture. Um, I, I've been using them for, for a zillion years, some of the earlier ones to the newest ones. And what's most interesting about the three new lenses, aside from the fact that they all go down to half life size, is that um, the 135 in particular, no one's ever made a 135 for 35 millimeter format. Right. So people traditionally think of tilt shift lenses as wide angle because they're used for architecture and that's, you know, you, you, need, you need something wide to take in a large field from close distances. But now you could shoot from a distance and do corrections or you could do uh, uh, really tight product shots with a longer focal length because just like Regular photography, the choice of the lens affects the look and feel of the mood of the picture. So now we have more options for tilt shifts. Um, yeah, I don't want to get ahead of Alan's notes, but Nikon released the 19 millimeter PC Nikkor last year mm -hmm. at a very high price point. The weird thing is uh, correcting images for geometric distortion in Lightroom or Photoshop is getting better and better. So you might make the argument that 
these lenses are less and less important, but yeah. here we, we are having. We will be making that argument. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Um, That's what we're, we're paying you seven dollars right. to be here today. But <laughs> Canon and Nikon obviously disagree, so they're yeah. putting out new stuff. Well, you know, th there is a good argument, and we'll come back to that. Yes, you can do a lot of these effects post-capture in light. However, there is a difference, and I know that you just recently did a whole article about that, and we were looking at images on your screen. Right. And there's a reason why yet, you but... would and would not, and, and there's yep. a good argument for both. Um, first, let's back up here. Uh, what are tilt-shift lenses? Tilt-shift lenses are, are they used to be wide-angle lenses, now they're wide-angle to short telephoto. Um, if you shoot with a camera other than a view camera, you want a straight and converging lines. It's also called correcting perspective or PC lens. You have two choices. The quick and easy way, as we just said, is the magic of pixel interpolation in Photoshop or Lightroom. And the second way is in-camera corrections using perspective control or a tilt-shift lens. Both methods work, but if you want to maintain the highest levels of image quality and the most control, uh, you're better off doing it in-camera with a tilt-shift. And again, we're going to come back to that. So, I think the creativity aspect is, is, well, you should know, because when you have, when you're doing something in Lightroom, you're going to, that's the application, that's what you want to fix. I mean, a tilt-shift lens gives you a lot of a lot of options of things to do, not just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, we're going to get to all this, I realize. Yeah, but, we're going to touch on all this stuff, but, but it yeah, it's, it's more up, than correcting, it's it's a lot of, a lot of adjustments. That yeah, as opposed do. to just a fix, it it can broaden your creativity, it can give you, you know, a new perspective. <laughs> there are depth of field issues that you could deal with in camera that you can't do post-capture, much, much limited. You, you, you know, there's just a limit to what you can do. So what are a PC, that's perspective control and tilt-shift lenses? Um, PC and tilt-shift lenses, they produce larger image circles compared to standard 35-millimeter lenses. That's one of the basics of it. If you were to look through a lens, pass light through it, you'd see it puts out a circle of light. That's your image circle. And most of the 35-millimeter lenses, they have enough of a circle to capture a sharp 24 by 36 millimeter frame within that circle. Tilt-shift lenses, they have much larger circles, which means that you could adjust where that 24 by 36 millimeter frame resides. You could move it up and down diagonally across. You could selectively crop within the circle. Um, many of these PC lenses, even though they're 35 millimeter lenses, the image circle is large enough to cover medium format cameras. So in a sense, they're medium format lenses being used on 35 millimeter cameras. A PC lens, two different types, the earliest uh, lenses of this type were just called PCs. They only offered shift, which means that you could slide the lens up, down, left, or right. Uh, and it was used primarily for architecture and product, uh, for correcting converging lines. So rather than tilt the camera upwards and or look upwards like as if we would be doing it ourselves, you simply slide the lens upwards on its mount without having to otherwise move, reposition, or tilt the camera. So you aim the camera straight at the building and rather than aim the camera up, you slide the lens up and the image itself readjusts in the frame. You lock it in and take your picture. You could also uh, play around with selective focusing much more than just opening and closing the aperture by tilting the lens. Uh, the lens will shift up and down. It also tilts as if it's, it's bowing left or right, up or down. You could adjust the plane of focus, which means that you could bring things in focus, out focus, without even stopping your lens down. We'll talk a little bit about more of that too. A lot of cameras have this toy or miniature filter that emulates the look of a tilt-shift lens, but only gives you certain, it won't increase your focus, it'll decrease it. Uh, and, and these cameras, these lenses also, it should be noted, are only for use with reflex cameras, that's SLRs and DSLRs and mirrorless cameras, no range finders. So if you have a Leica M camera and you want to do tilt-shift, you're out of luck. A bit of history. First tilt-shift lens was designed by an Austrian military officer named Scheimflug, and it was designed uh, for eliminating distortions in aerial photographs. And the first commercially available PC lens, it only did shift, no tilt, was a 35mm f3.5. It was made by Nikon in 1961. I owned one of those. Uh, it was followed by a wider 28mm f4 in 1968. I've owned two of those. And both were followed by faster and sharper versions, a 35.28 and a 28.35. I've owned one of each of those. I owned the 28 for a while. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was, it was yeah. great. I used Good to lens. go around photogra photographing architecture with a 4x5. I shot black and white, and then I'd pull out my Nikon with the 28 PC, and I'd shoot Kodachromes or whatever I'm doing, and I have wonderful little 35-millimeter color backups. Um, 
Canon joined the party in 1973 when they introduced the first tilt-shift lens. Uh, it was a Canon TS 35mm f2.8 SSC, and Olympus soon followed with a 35 and 24mm shift-only lenses, followed by similar lenses by Minolta, Pentax, and Schneider, uh, which, and Schneider made the PC lenses a 28mm for Leica R cameras, which you taught have adapted for a Nikon and you use often. That's true. Yeah, it's a very nice lens. Now those those Olympus and Minoltas, are they usable today? Yeah, if you have a mirrorless yeah. camera, absolutely. And yeah. they're priced really well. We recently had a Canon, uh, that early 35 millimeter Canon tilt shift, um, and it was only a few hundred dollars, and it would be easily adaptable to just about any mirrorless camera out there right now. A friend of mine used the Olympus and said it's amazing lens. It is. You can get it for next to nothing these uh-huh. days. Uh-huh. Although now that we've said this on the podcast with our zillions of listeners, that's it. Head to eBay immediately. Right. (laughs) Buy it before you listen to this podcast. (laughs) And then sell it after you listen to the podcast. (laughs) We should open open a market space, right? Right. Take a little tip from Japan Let us know what you're trying to sell and we'll bump the value up by telling everyone how good it is. Exactly. How about the, um, the, the shine... Flug principle? Yes. Can somebody uh offer Okay, me a it's really, of that? really simple. Okay, if you take a flashlight and aim it straight at a uh, say a white piece of paper, okay, you get a round image, a round ball of light if you're parallel to it. If you tilt the paper, what happens to the uh ball of light? It sort of flares out at the far end, sort of like a comet shape, okay? That's exactly what happens to the image when you focus your lens onto film or a sensor. If you're looking at straight at parallel lines, if you're looking directly at a building, okay, your parallel lines remain parallel. You tilt up, the image starts to stretch. And you get, suddenly things start, you know, falling apart. It looks like the building is tilting over or falling back or something like that. So what a tilt-shift lens does, it, it reach, it corrects the plane of focus to be parallel to the wall again, and parallel lines remain parallel, and there's no converging lines. So the bottom of the building and the top of the building are the same width. They don't flare out or fall in or anything like that. So that's really what it is. You're basically tilting the mm-hmm. uh, um, the lens groups right. to complement the angle of the subject that you're photographing. Right. And when it's re- when, as soon as you get to the point where it's parallel, it looks correct. It always has a kind of a funny look about it, though. Yeah. There is an oddness to it, but it looks right. It's kind of goofy. Yeah. The, the human eye sees converging lines. Yes. So you can correct with a, with a shift lens you can correct a wall or a building to the point where it looks unnatural because you've maintained those straight lines, whereas if you were standing there with your own eyes, you would see some convergence. Right. And people don't understand, but if you take the like the classic desert highway scene where you're standing in the middle of a two-lane highway looking to the horizon, as the road goes further and further away from you, it gets narrower and, and narrower. Or, or railroad tracks. Railroad tracks. They don't stand on the railroad tracks. Yeah. That's dangerous. <laughs> Nor should you stand in the middle of a road, <laughs> but everyone knows that has that visual. Buildings do the same thing. A one-story building, two-story building, you're not going to see it. But if you stand at the base of the World Trade Center or another building that's not tapered, and you look up, it will look tapered. And if you have grid lines, you could see it very easily. Yep, exactly. if, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, when you're shooting a, a tower, a tall tower, these lenses aren't going to work. I mean, just simply, they're not, you're not going to get everything. Really well, no, 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 really no, 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 not true. It depends how far back you can get. Yeah. Yeah, if, you're, if you're standing across the street from a 100-story building, no, you're not correcting it. Right. However, if you're standing five blocks away, yeah, you are. Yeah. So you that's can, really, yeah. you know. Depends on the lens and your distance. Yeah, yeah, the focal length, the height of your subject, and the distance. Yep. The other, one other interesting thing you can do with a shift lens is you can shoot panoramics by shifting. Yeah. Yes. And some of the older shift lens, they when you get to the extreme uh, ranges of the shift, you start to get some softness. But uh, if you're shooting mirrorless, especially crop sensor, you can deflect the shift lens from end to end without moving your camera or adjusting your tripod and shoot a panoramic mm-hmm. in that fashion. And it works really well. Yes. When I played yeah. with uh, one of these lenses, I would do the opposite, just kind of make light trails going up and down the frame, which kind of work well if you're doing some urban, you know, yeah. landscape photography. It kind of is fun to play with. So, But just the general idea or the main point that I, I think we I want to pass on to our listeners, you're adjusting the relationship of the lens to the film plane. Yes, you're, that's you, a good way of putting it. You're yeah. adjusting the relationship. 
Normally, it's parallel. It's flat. Mm -hmm. But with a tilt-shift lens, you can angle it and create different effects. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and the tilt is very different than the shift. Right. Uh, And like Alan said, some of the older lenses only did shift. Now... Almost, I don't think anybody makes one that doesn't do. No, tilt they're all it. tilt yeah. shift now. That's correct. Yeah, and the tilt, besides using it for, you can use it for geometric corrections, but you can also go do the toy camera effect right. where you get an incredibly shallow depth of field because, uh, with the Scheim Flug principle, <laughs> probably did not say that right. The, one of the best examples of, of uh, um, depth of field manipulation I ever did myself. Um, I think I might have mentioned another show once. I was using twenty-four millimeter. Um, might have been a Nikkor because they make a 24. A lot of people make 24s. We'll list those all in a little bit. And I was doing a photograph. Um, there was a, a fence post in the foreground about a foot away from my camera, from the lens. Mm-hmm. And then there was a small stone cottage about, I'm going to say, 25 feet behind that. And I focused on the post, which is, again, about a foot away from my lens. And then without stopping the lens down, remaining at F2.8, the widest aperture, I tilted the lens forward. Mm-hmm. And I, what I do is I angled the, uh, uh, the lens elements so that they were bringing both the fence post and the building in the background into the same plane of right. focus. What stayed out of focus was the sky and the ground, which was not visible. Right. And at F2.8, I was able to hold total sharpness between one foot away and about 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped down three stops to increase my resolving power and the, everything was fo- in, in sharp, two and a half, three right. stops down from maximum aperture. It's great stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only can you get in- incredibly shallow depth of field effects, but you get incredibly deep depth of field effects yes. with a shift lens. So yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's the equivalent of using a view camera on a 35 millimeter or mirrorless, yeah. Or mirrorless camera. Yeah. Another thing you could do, which is kind of interesting, uh, say you um, you had a large backdrop and you set up, say, um, two rows of six people in a V formation, the two people in the front standing right there, and then they sort of flare out to you like an arrowhead, so you'd like the V shape going away from you. Mm-hmm. So the people, the furthest are to the right and to the left extreme. If you, fo- if you focus with a tilt-shift lens, it's possible to, by tilt, by, by tilting, left or right, you could bring everyone on the left side into focus at wide aperture and knock everybody else out. And then by flipping the angle that you're shooting from, reverse the, the, the tilt of the lens, bring the other group in. So you could actually, without touching F-stops, you could control, great control over what's in focus, what isn't, and you could split the difference on it. Um, couple so, to- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, no, my question has to do with, uh, with aperture and, and in general, you know, the, the widest aperture, maximum aperture I'm seeing is 2.8. Now, is that just a, uh, a product of cost and size, or is there not much of an advantage? Uh, of I would, well, I would imagine if you go, these lenses are already big. If you yeah. handle them, they're, they're kind of massive because there's a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. here to get these things to work. They're also all manual focus. There's no autofocus right. going on here. Uh, you manually focus. Um, the fastest ones are 2.8, and I, I have a feeling it might have to do with cost because they are pretty pricey. Some of them are anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it might also have to do with just resolving power. It may not be possible to be that sharp, wide open with these lenses. I'm not quite sure. Most of the time, you're shooting these on a tripod anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you don't need to open up to one four to allow light in to sure. reduce shake. So yeah, you can handhold these things, but it's not yeah. recommendable. If, it really if you're using a shift, if you're tilting, hand holding is a, a possibility. If you're shifting, mm, that's your. I've done it. You got to shoot yeah. a lot to get one that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you're kind of defeating the whole part, yeah, point. Have, of I, the, yes. have you seen the one thirty five? The, no. the new Canon I've seen pictures of it now. Okay. I imagine it's pretty big, right? I would assume yeah. so, right. yes. Okay. The, sh- the 85 to 90s are pretty hefty, yeah. and this is bigger than those. At the top of the uh, the pyramid, the Schneider PCTS lenses are, they look normal size mm-hmm. in the photos on the website, but if you buy one, you will be surprised at how large it is. Yes, it lift, is like, lift with your knees, not yeah. your back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is a big lens. Yeah. Right. They're beautiful, and they're very cool, but... It is. Uh, do not plan on dropping it in your camera bag. <laughs> it's yeah, taking it for a walk. Quick question. Um, and again, I'm going to try to word this correctly. But there is a difference between mount rotation and a tilt shift axis rotation. Can you clarify that for me? Yeah, so on, 
I use, certain, certain lenses yeah. offer that and others don't. I use the Leica Schneider shift lens and you can rotate the lens mm -hmm. without rotating the camera. Right. Just like a, almost like a telephoto with a, with a collar. Right. That's a good so, way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So there's you can, a, there's a, a knob that offers a release and you twist the whole thing. Yeah. Actually yeah. on the, on the Schneider, you just turn it. It's okay. pretty, there's a, a good detent and resistance, but mm -hmm. that allows you to rotate at 90 degrees and shift in a totally different direction or rotate it at a 45 degree angle. Mm -hmm. Which I'm I haven't discovered why you would want to do that, but yeah, the um, the old Nikon PC lenses they had you could rotate them 360 degrees and there were 12 detents along the way, so you yeah. had little yeah. markers. Yeah, yeah. Same with the Rokinon. That I yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty common. Thing. I said the Rokinons are. Um, I've heard good things about them. If you look on the website, they actually get really good reviews, mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. fairly reasonable compared to some of the Very new. Reasonable. Yeah, I used ones. one about four or five years ago. I did yeah. a review on one. Yeah, it was and great. The, the other. The other inexpensive way to get into this is through LensBaby. Mm -hmm. That they've kind of, that is kind of how LensBaby started was doing tilt, not necessarily traditional tilt shift lenses, but those. Some of them had little geared uh, attachments that allowed mm -hmm. you to yeah. deflect it. Right. So. Well, this is something I want to get. Well, we can might as well get to it now. But yeah. there, there seems to have been a trend, and I don't know where we'll say this trend started. Maybe it was the fact that people liked the the toy. A f mode that you got our, to our, shoot. our former guest uh, Vincent, Vincent Lafray, Lafray, he yeah. he he opened the a lot of people's eyes to that and you, a lot of a lot of re TV shows yeah. reopened yeah, I yeah, should yeah, say yeah, yeah. The, I mean even he said I didn't invent this but everyone thinks I'm responsible for this yeah. um, and he made that look po very popping and shooting you know cityscapes from the sky you see it a lot uh, in advertising editorial Mm -hmm. um, and again, yeah. even like the portraiture people yeah. are using it. There's a lot of different applications that the well, lens would never though. even I mean, yeah. intended this, for. The, the miniature look that you get. Is, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like bokeh where y your eyes, as you've said before, your eyes produce bokeh, but it's not like what you see in an image, a photograph or on a video. And the same thing is like with a, with a shift lens or going into the toy mode or whatever, you can get a very unique visual effect that your eyes cannot reproduce so you're seeing something that you don't usually see mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. think that's the attraction right um can we jump to like the general application I mean, we've talked about it a little bit but you and you obviously talked about it at the beginning architecture as the the primary one but uh is there other applications that uh, uh am i jumping well, ahead architect of no 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 architecture is interiors and exteriors i mean that's right. where i started using them. i used to do uh, uh, a lot of interiors and art of yachts and 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 homes and buildings and stuff. I use them all the time, and mm -hmm. and they were uh, they they were terrific. They were huge time savers, especially since we didn't didn't have scanners and right. Photoshop back then, <laughs> back, right. back in the good old days. Right. Um, but you want a wide angle yeah. so that you can get into these spaces mm -hmm. or yeah. include a building, uh, and that wide angle is going to obviously increase distortion, and then these will counter effect that, so you can get a nice clean image of a different building. type of distortion. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The Schneider, as good as it is, I, st I still get a little pin cushion that I have to remove. Even, you know, the shifting doesn't get rid of that. So you'll get traditional distortions as all other lenses will produ produce, but you can get rid of the geometric ones with the shift. That's another, so. by the way, you know, we're talking about pricing. These lenses are all over the place. They go from anywhere from $700 to $5,000. Um, and we're going to go through all the lenses that are, are available. There are some of the less expensive ones here, and those would be from Rokinon and Samyang. And we touched on these lenses. They both make 24 millimeter f3.5 tilt shifts for um, uh, Canon, Nikon, Sony, Pentax, a whole bunch of mounts that they're available for. These lenses are real sharp. No two ways about yeah. it. Extremely sharp. The difference is the materials they're made out of. Yeah. Uh, these lenses are a lot more plastic, polymer, and things of that sort. Yeah. The tolerances aren't as good. Well, remember, there's a lot of moving parts and knobs, and I, oh, that was my yes. problem with the, with the Rokinon, that the knobs themselves were not as strong. And yeah. I, I, even after a couple of weeks of use, I could feel that there was going to be problems locking the lens into the position you need to hold it into. Oh yeah, no. If you if you're going to be a cowboy with these things, using them on a daily yeah. basis, no, you have to you have to go for the good ones. Um, another thing about them is that everyone talks about it. Are they sharp? Are they sharp? Very few lenses these days are not sharp. That that's that's a given. Sharp lenses are easy to make. The big uh, drawback of the less expensive ones is that many of them suffer from not only pin cushion and barrel distortions, which are relatively easy to fix. They also have what's called mustache distortion, where like a wax mustache, you got all these little swirls that go up and down around and about. And if you try to photograph architecture with these lenses, it kind of comes a little bit of a funhouse mirror effect going on there <laughs> that 
if you can't, you can correct some of it, but they're more of a bear. And uh, again, you want to shoot landscapes and things of that sort, that's perfectly fine. But for real critical work, that's where they get kind of funky. So, yeah, so it sounds like the best idea is the combination of a tilt lens with Lightroom. Yeah, fixes. yeah, yeah. And, and there are a lot of fixes for these things, but you know, again, uh, it, we want to have less work, not more work right. at the end of the day. We mentioned the digital corrections. A lot of post-processing software allows you to get rid of vertical and horizontal distortion, which is the purpose of the shift lens. Mm -hmm. um, actually, Snapseed on your phone allows you to do it with your, with your smartphone photos. So the question people keep asking is, do I need a shift lens or a tilt shift lens when I can do this stuff in Lightroom? Mm -hmm. And I don't know the answer to that question. That was my question. That was your, that was your got ahead of you. Um, <laughs> but if you did know the answer, what do you think it would be? It would <laughs> <laughs> It's a matter of preference. So, and it's, and it's probably a matter of budget because these are not cheap lenses. So uh, you can, you can, achieve the effect digitally without special equipment. Um, the ironic thing is a lot of people that are asking these questions fall into the category of pixel peepers mm -hmm. where they are obsessed about uh, sharpness, obsessed about megapixels and things like that. If you are doing a geometric correction in Lightroom or Photoshop, you're in a sense generating new pixels and compressing other pixels because the there's an algorithm happening and it's making, mm -hmm. uh, in, it's pr producing information where information doesn't exist. It's stretching your fi it's, it's image file it's and it's compressing other, yeah, and compressing it in other places. So if you're a pixel peeper, you will see you lose resolution in those areas. It's very subtle and it's very small, but for if you're, if that's what you like to do, zoom into your pictures at two, three, 400% on your computer you will see a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, in a print, probably not. Um, there's a, One of the advantages of using the shift lens, especially when you're shooting architecture, you're working off a tripod. That slows you down. The shift lens adds another, uh, I won't say it's a hindrance to the process. It just makes you Steps. more careful. Yeah. So you're thinking more about the photo, the composition, the framing, and things like that. Mm -hmm. It makes you more deliberate. And that is usually in photography a good thing. Yeah, no, I, so. I, I agree with that idea. And you, know, you guys know me, I tend to just kind of shoot away. And when I was when using these lenses, you slow down yeah. and you adjust. But that also gives you moments of, of creativity and, and, and you, you'll, you'll yeah. learn things, you'll see things, you'll be in the midst of this process. You're going to find new things. And, and for me, that's the benefit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More, I mean, obviously, you can do that in Lightroom, too. People are very creative when they sit in front of a yeah. computer. But for me... The thing is, the image quality itself, you have a much healthier, beefier image file. Yeah. That from there, you're working with a good quality file. Whereas right. if you're doing it, uh, you know, if you're correcting uh, electronically, you already have a disadvantage. It's already handicapped right. as far as image quality. And then if you're doing extreme corrections on Lightroom or Photoshop, that's when it starts to get mm -hmm. kind of ugly. The... I've shot the exact same building, shifted and unshifted, corrected in Lightroom and didn't correct the shifted one because I didn't have to. When you put them side by side, you see there's a subtle difference in how they look. But if you didn't have one of those images and you only have the shifted or you only have the electronically corrected one, you wouldn't notice that there's a difference in the image. So. This is a subject I'd like to hear. Maybe we can hear from some listeners some of their, their input on this in terms of reasons that they would shoot with a, a tilt-shift lens or or adjust. Yeah. yeah. I've never been... I've had tilt-shift lenses. I'm not... My type of photography doesn't lend itself to doing tilt. So I, all I care about is a shift. And actually, I kind of wish Nikon or Canon or someone would make a less expensive shift lens and I forget the tilt, forget so the in, mechanicals of that. In the most that, simple so. words, describe what shift is and what tilt is. So shift moves the um, lens parallel to the image plane. So, or right or left, up or down. Mm -hmm. So, and even though you're moving only a couple millimeters, literally on your camera, on the front of your, your lens is only shifting a several millimeters in front of your camera, mm -hmm. that translates into dozens of feet I guess, in the in the actual image, depending on how far away the building is or what you're shooting. So, By the way, lenses go anywhere yeah. from 8 to about 12 millimeters in yeah. shift plus mm -hmm. minus. That's the range, 12, yeah. Yeah, which think, is a lot. Yeah. And then the tilt is when you tilt the lens to 
skew the image plane basically. Right. Okay. Um, that's pretty. You get a, it's a very different effect. That's, that's why select the focus. That's yeah, when you're changing focus. your your plane of focus plane, is what's yep. being changed there. Whereas when you do um, a shift, your focus yeah. is steady. Your focus does not change whatsoever. Right. So it seems like twenty four millimeter is is something that all the manufacturers offer. You imagine that's kind of the that was as wide yeah, as it got yeah, for the longest time, was it? Now compared to a, a standard twenty four millimeter lens, what would we be losing? With the tilt shift lens, when you stop, or oh, there's no di, uh, auto, well, it depends on the lens. Auto yeah, diaphragm yeah. that yeah. could well, be an issue. Auto functions, yeah. yeah there's no, no auto focus. There's, there's no auto diaphragm, so many of them have a lever on the lens to open and close the diaphragm, and then you also have a, an aperture ring where you dial in the ring. So, like on the Leica that I shoot, you you throw the lever, it opens it up to two eight, even though you're dialed to f eight or something. Once you compose, once you let all that light in to compose your shot. You flip the lever back and it closes it down to F8. They're all they're all manual focus. But I I used to have I had an, a Leica or no I'm sorry I had a Nikon 28 millimeter lens, and I bench tested it against the Leica Shift 28, and the Leica lens was better. I mean I, I think I might have had a bad example of that Nikon. Is AIS, this the original 28? The, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. The, those are very good lenses, but yeah. they, compared to what's out there today, yeah. especially in the edges, no, they're they're not real good. They were wonderful right. back then. They're not as good today, especially I, if you have yeah. digital. The, you could use that 24 or 28 as a normal lens. You just yeah. don't shift, don't tilt, and I actually it's did just for a while. It's bulky. You don't want. Yeah. It, it's a lot to haul around. It's th those yeah. are they're big, massive, and they got things sticking out of them. Yep. It's, the, it's not the the most portable lens you'll ever own. And in terms yeah. of applications, I know we talked architecture and product photography, landscaping, um, landscape, landscape, absolutely. Yeah. And by the here's an interesting thing that portraiture, uh, Port yeah. a lot yeah. of we'll people using that. Person. Yeah, go. Um, here's an, here's an interesting little thing where a, a tilt shift lens actually bailed me on a photograph. I had a photograph. A uh, it was a small. It was I think it was a three story building, and. Um, I was able to get out into the middle of the street to photograph. It was kind of a side street that it was on. And I was able to get a really nice uh, 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 composition with the building centered in the frame. The problem is that on the left side, there was a telephone pole that was about three feet too far to the right. And to get straight at the building, the pole was there. And I was able to eliminate it by doing a very simple little trick. I moved my camera to the right about three and a half feet, and I kept watching, and I waited until, from my vantage point, the pole was off to the left enough where I was able to get the whole building. I then remained, got everything nice and parallel, and then I shifted the lens so that I was able to center the building in the frame. So I was looking at the building slightly sideways from the side, but squaring it off, and it looked good. If you look carefully, there was a little cupola on the top, and if you look at the cupola, you could see the right side of it, but you couldn't see the left. But otherwise, it was symmetrical, and it was right. kind of an optical illusion, but because I had a shift lens, I was able to photograph the building and get the pole out of the picture. The people that install light poles, trees, and things like that around <laughs> cities do not think about the photographer who's going to be hired to photograph that building. Yeah, and there, were, and there are large, white, ugly trucks that yeah. do park in front of the yeah, building. Yeah, not to mention parking spots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, parking spots. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it's an interesting thing. Well, you know, okay. we, we talk just a fast yeah. one. If you, if, you are, if you have a mirrorless camera and you're looking at tilt-shift lenses, yes, you can adapt most any of these tilt-shift lenses to any camera. It's mirrorless, but be careful of one thing. Some have a an aperture ring, some don't. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, so, new, the new Nikon 19 tilt-shift does not have an aperture ring, so if hmm. you're shooting mirrorless, you're going to be wide open the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's got an electronic diaphragm, so you can't even... There's no way around it. Yeah, so yeah. if you're going to do that, make sure you get yourself yeah. a lens that has a, a, a diaphragm a ring. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, even, no, even with the diaphragm ring, you can't. Because it's a the the new nineteen tilt shift is an electronic diaphragm, so you need electricity to move. I have it. a friend who could hack that. Go, let me know. <laughs> so. um, APS-C sensors? Is there any? They don't make issues. Any difference? I don't think they make any PCs or, or, for them so, specifically. But, but using, no. uh, but using yeah. one of these lenses on an APC is going to make. Yeah, any, you, there's no difference, right? Advantage and disadvantage. The, I've shot that like a twenty eight tilt sh or a shift lens on a full frame high resolution camera. And you get softness around the edges, uh, especially when you shift it. You start to, to the, get softness. To the extremes, yeah. On APS-C, I can shift that all the way, and it stays sharp corner to corner. Because you're using that, yeah. that tight center part it, of the— The uh, disadvantage yeah. is that's a, it's a 28 
shift lens, which is now a 42, right. which every once in a while I'm like, man, I wish this thing was wider because right. I'll be in a, a tight right. spot or an interior and 42 is fairly, it's a little wide, but Not sometimes, yeah. No. Yeah. By the way, you know, talking about depth of field and stuff like that and sharpness, these lenses go down to f22, sometimes even f32. Um, and in various, if you're shooting architecture, you are stomping down for two reasons. Number one, you're, as you mentioned, the edges are softer. With any image circle on any lens, as you get to the edges, you start to lose it. That's right. where they're known to lose it. These lenses are no different. If you if you shift to an extreme, yes, you're going to start getting softness. You stomp the lens down, you could regain. Yep. a lot of that sharpness back. Another thing that these lenses are are, are known for is that you can vign vignette. There's there's light lost towards yeah. the edges, which is a natural phenomenon. Right. Stomp the lens down, and you could usually regain most of that uh, luminescence on the yep. corners. Okay, so product ph photography, we can understand why you have a box, you have a carton, you want it to look like the shape that it should look like. What about still lifes? It would seem like uh, same thing because the, you, you know. can actually give the impression that you're looking straight at it, yet you could be peering over the top mm -hmm. or off the side. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I was once playing around with some small toy cars, and I got down below the level of the cars, and I was looking up at them. They're, they're coming right at me, but they're little toy cars, but they looked real because there was this massiveness. You were looking at it from a point of view that right. you normally not see a right. toy from. Right. And we think of some of the, the great still life photographers, most of them are using medium format, I would imagine, at least the ones I'm thinking of anyway. Uh, but that might give you the sense of, of what, what's going yeah. on here when you have your bellow and, and you're, you're sliding the bellow here in order to adjust the front element. And of course, you're, you're film playing this yeah. thing mm -hmm. standard. A lot of, I mean, a lot of, it doesn't happen much anymore, but a lot of the old classic landscape photographers used to do still life with their large format cameras. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like Edward Weston's yeah. uh, Pepper is yeah. a perfect example. Okay, we're going to take a short break. and we come back, we're going to talk about who makes what and what's available for what cameras. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. Okay, we are back with John Harris and Todd Gorenkamp, and we're going to talk about what's available around for tilt-shift lenses from the different companies in different formats. And uh, let's start off with Canon. Um, Canon has uh, a, probably most extensive. They have six different lenses. There was a 17 that they've had for a few years. I've used that one. It's pretty good. The 24-millimeter 3.5, which is a second version. These are all L-series lenses, by the way. Um, there's a 45-millimeter. And by the way, all the Canon, they're called TSE, for tilt-shift-E, which I guess is for electronic couple, coupling. Now, what's interesting is that Canon had a TSE 45-millimeter 2.8, and one of the new lenses is the TSE 50-millimeter f2.8. What's the big deal? Uh, well, it actually, it's a lot. The the first of all, all three of the new Canon lenses, the 50, 90, and 135, they're all macro lenses. They go down to half life size. The 45 millimeter focus down to 15 and a half inches. The uh, new 50 goes down to 10.6 inches. So again, a big difference there. And is the 45 an L, an L series? Uh, no, I mean, you know what? It, it may not be. Yeah. I think that might be the only lens that is not an L unless I left the letter out on this <laughs> list. So don't quote. <laughs> but you know, look. I think there's actually something to that. I don't believe the 45 Well, the price would indicate it might not be. It's it's one of the more affordable. Yes. The, same with the uh, older 90. Yeah, the older Do, 90. Does not have a red ring. That's yeah. correct. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and the new 50 also um, uh, has uh, goes from 8.5, has tilt shift plus minus um, tilt of 8.5 degrees uh, and maximum shift of 12, which is up one millimeter uh, from the prior lens. The 90 millimeter 2.8 goes down to a one foot and 1.3 feet, also as a macro. And the 135 is really nice. That goes uh, focuses down to 1.61 feet uh, and has... Um, uh, 
again, tilt and shift capabilities, and the latest of their air sphere, is spheric and UHD elements. Is uh, mm-hmm. the best glasses in these lenses. And they're about twenty two hundred dollars each. But these yeah. are also extremely sharp, incredibly well built, and yeah. again, this is all about precision. Right. Uh, nothing wiggles on these lenses, and, and they're not yet available. Just uh, I mean, no, they're, they're available for pre order. That's correct. Uh, That's correct. I don't even think they have them in the store yet. Actually. Nope. Yeah. Nope. And that forty five is not an L series lens. Okay, just check. Okay, so we're not all right. So, but the new ones are. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've shot with the forty five. It's a brilliant lens. It's it's it may may not be an L, but it is yeah. a very very good performing lens. Do those come out before the L designation? Perhaps, I believe that, so. Oh yeah. Uh, no, you well, know, no, 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 no. Excuse me, no, because the L's been around for decades. Okay. There were the shows you what I know about yeah, Canon. That big twelve hundred millimeter monster Canon yeah. telephoto. That, that was, was a, an L, and that goes back to a long time ago, mid eighties. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. All right. So that's from Canon. So you got um, 17, 24, 45, 50, 90, and 135. Um, again, if you're an architect, if an architectural photographer, if you're a product photographer, these are really, really amazing tools. These are the kind of tools that you buy them and you'll be using them for forever. Uh, these are not fad kind of lenses. These are, always have good applications. Nikon has four lenses. They just introduced recently the 19-millimeter F4EED uh, which is Nikon's widest, and you shot with that, right? Yes, beautiful. Okay. It's, it's a gorgeous uh, lens. Yeah, super sharp, uh, great mechanicals. Uh, the only the downside is there's no uh, adjustable aperture ring, so on a, if you adapt it to a different camera, you're stuck at f4. But if you pop it on your brand new D850, you, you can shoot at f8. It's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> at f4, it was really, really good, so I can't imagine how... Yeah. If you're in a Nikon system and you like focusing close, they do make two micro Nikkors. There's a 45 and 85 millimeter. They're both F2.8 ED lenses, and they both go down to half life size. I've used three out of four of the PCE Nikkor lenses, uh, the 24, 45, and 85. 19 I have not used yet, but the three that I have used are wonderful lenses. Um and again, the uh, the 45 and the 85 are micro Nikkors. They're macro lenses. And with all of these tilt-shift lenses, the best they do is half-life size, which is not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Um, too shabby. Not too shabby. Well, that Nikon, the 19 that I'm looking at is uh, pretty pricey. It's a $3,400 lens compared to the other two. Uh, which are a little over 2,000. A little over 2,000. So There's yeah. a big difference there, yes. Nano crystal super integrated fluorine coating. It's pretty hot stuff. Yeah, they don't get cavities. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting. And <laughs> it'll tilt shift jointly, singly, and no need for locking down, as we were talking about. Yeah, in the 19 millimeter. Yeah, yeah. They, they improve some of the uh, movements yeah. on it. Yeah. Okay, Schneider makes lenses. Um, they have several lens choices here, and they are adaptable for Sony uh, Canon, Sony A mount. I should qualify that Canon and Nikon. Um, oh, not adaptable. They're actually made with. They're the, made with for the mount. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dedicated mounts. Um, the Schneider. These are all called PCTS, so uh, perspective control tilt shift super angulon lenses. This is the best that Schneider makes. They have a twenty eight millimeter f four point five a 50mm 2.8, and a 125.6, which is actually made for the uh, Mamiya 645AF, and I guess the Phase 1 Mamiya will also go on. It's for the film cameras and digital medium format. Um, And I believe the... Let's see what we got here. I think it's the equivalent of about a 74, 76 millimeter in 35 millimeter forms. One of the cool things about the Schneiders, is, I mentioned they're huge, but mm-hmm. they don't have knobs on the side that you twist. Right. It's all controlled by the rings around the cameras. Yeah. They have yeah. really cool mechanical yes. systems. That, yeah, they look great. Yeah. These are technical instruments. So it's yeah, very fair it's, to call uh, them that. Yeah. They're very cool. And I also mentioned earlier that uh, these have large image circles. These, The uh, 28 and 50 millimeter lenses from Schneider, the image circles are 72 and 79.2 millimeters, which means that the image will they'll technically cover a 6 by 7 camera format. Maybe the edges may not be too sharp, but they'll cover it. You'll get an image here. You'll get light. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, Schneider also makes a, uh, from a Mia, a 120-millimeter F5.6, so they call it TS, is spheric. Uh, and that's made specifically uh, in conjunction with Mamiya for a 645, and I'm assuming the phase cameras as well. Um, and again, it's probably the same optical formula for both of the 
uh, Schneider 120s. I'm assuming. Don't quote me on that. If you are toting around a Leica S medium format camera, you can buy a 120mm f5.6 TS-APO, apochromatic, Elmar S aspheric, uh, which I imagine is an amazing lens. It's only for Leica S series, but if you have that camera and you would like to do uh, tilt shifting and, and correcting of perspective, you can do it. You have any experience with those? I've never no. No. Looking at the price, I will never will have experience with it. <laughs> <laughs> I just sell your boat. What's the problem? Right. Uh, you know, you're just gonna make a trade off. Uh, <laughs> now, also, if you, if you want a Hasselblad system, uh, Hasselblad for their current lens, they don't make any tilt shifts, but they do make uh, the HTS 1.5 tilt shift adapter, which enables you to use a, a Hasselblad H series camera with either 35, 50, 80, or 100 millimeter lenses for a certain amount of adjustments of perspective control and tilt. So you can do that. And again, this is an extra option that you have. If you are not fortunate enough to have a, uh, a Hasselblad H series camera, but you do have, say, a Canon or a Nikon or a 35 millimeter that you like, Horseman makes a TS Pro Tilt Shift Kit. And what it is, it's sort of like a view camera. You have a front standard and a rear standard. The front is where your lens is adapted, and the rear is where your camera goes with the bellows in between. And you can tilt the front and back to emulate tilt shift movements of a view camera or a tilt shift lens. And you could adapt pretty much any camera, full frame or uh, APS-C, to many of these systems. Cambo makes a similar arrangement. They have several of them. There's the Actus ACTUS GFX view camera body and lens mount. If you have a Fuji GFX, you can for $2,895 buy one of these and basically it goes in between your camera and your lens and now you can do perspective control and playing around with uh, focus shifting um, using your uh, Fuji uh, GFX. That's the price today. That's the price today. That's right. <laughs> Who knows about tomorrow? If you have a 35mm uh, or a um, APS-C format camera, uh, Cambo also makes the Actus-B view camera bodies in which you could take your Canon, your Nikon, your Pentax. I'm just, I'm not sure of all the mounts. And I'm pretty sure there's a Fuji mount in there as well for the X-series cameras. Um, and basically use your existing system for doing tilt and shift controls. There might be limitations to how far you could tilt, shift, or uh, uh, use some of these controls depending on the camera lens combination. But there are a lot of options out there. Uh, and it gets you away from straight just stopping down and leaning buildings. Mm -hmm. You didn't mention uh, the ones that are in my price range, though. Ah, the, the Rokin. Now let's go. Okay, now for John, <laughs> we have two lenses available here. <laughs> you know, again, I think it's important to mention that a lot of these are very pricey. However, you can get from two thousand to three thousand. I mean, two thousand to three thousand yeah. for the Canon Nikon's in general. Now know. for six seven hundred dollars, you can buy the Rokinon or Samyang twenty four millimeter f3.5 tilt shifts. They both make them. It's essentially the same lens. They do focus down to seven, uh, a little under eight inches, which is very close for 24 millimeter. You get eight and a half, uh, plus minus eight and a half degrees of tilt and plus minus 12 uh, millimeters of shift. Uh, they do have a, a dual aspheric and dual ED elements. These lenses are sharp they vary, like, like the oil lenses vary sample to sample. These might vary a little bit more, a little bit less. I've, I've gotten some very good pictures with these. As I mentioned earlier, we've spoke about it, that there can be certain distortion issues you get with these lenses. Everything has a price, yeah. figuratively and literally, but they're a, very good. We've done reviews on these lenses uh, over the years, and the, the, they're incredibly, they're very sharp. I mean, it, I don't think that's the I've issue. gotten yeah. some wonderful yeah. pictures using the 24. I, I believe it was the Rokinon that I had for a while with a Nikon mount, and I used it on a Sony yeah. a7R2, yeah. and I got very good, very good pictures. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice and then there's the, there's the lens baby option to go yeah. if you want a low-cost entry into the tilt market. Tilt market, yeah. For yeah. selective yeah. focus, yeah. And then there's the second-hand market where, as you mentioned, uh, there's a Leica slash Schneider 28 shift the older Nikon shift lenses, which are incredibly good and uh, can have be had for, for a few hundred dollars, yeah, several hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, Olympus, and I think you said there was a Minolta one as well. Yes. Yep. A lot of those companies made great lenses back in the day, and you can still buy them today. Uh, I and if you're shooting mirrorless, you just grab an adapter. And oh go. yeah, yeah. 
The only recommendation mm -hmm. I'd make, uh, and again, I'm talking specifically from my experience, the, the older Nikons, the 35 and the 28 millimeter, um, if you're given a choice, go for the newer models. Those are yeah. the, uh, and the 35 millimeter would be the 2.8, not the 3.5, and the 28 millimeter, the 3.5, not 4. They're both good, but the, the newer, faster ones do have it on edge sharpness. No two ways about that. Uh, and, and again, you can pick them up for a few hundred dollars, and they're very usable. They're very, very good. Any other thoughts? No. Tilt and shift. Tilt and shift. Jason's going to set a new dance for us. No, <laughs> I mean, the, I guess my final thought is that there's a practical purpose to these lenses, and some people need that for the type of photography they do, but they're also a lot of fun to use. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can, again, these are technical lenses yeah. that have a lot of good creative possibilities, yeah. and I, you could play. Yeah. I like the process of photography and having more things to tweak and adjust on the on the camera is not always great if you're running and gunning, but if you're working off a tripod and stuff, it makes it a cool experience. Yeah. And again, if all of this stuff is really just out of your price range, uh, what you do is go down to a, a auto world and get yourself a radiator hose, cut it down, get some radiator clamps, some hose clamps on there, put one <laughs> in the lens, one in the lens, and just hand hold it and bend it. And you might get some good stuff. You never know. <laughs> and I would say stick to close-ups. Someone <laughs> someone made a like a tilt shift adapter for Nikon with a 3D printer. Oh wow! So you could turn any lens into a tilt shift. Of course, a regular lens doesn't have the same size image circle, but that's, right. that might be the future of uh, tilting and shifting. Is right. make your own. One thing, real quickly, jumping back to the Rokin and the Samyang. The Samyang has mounts for Nikon F, Canon EF, and Sony A, but the Rokinone has Nikon F. Canon EF, Pentax K, Sony A, and Sony E for their mirrorless. Yes. However, nothing yet for the for Fujifilm X mounts. Gotta adapt. Yeah. Thing is they're easily adaptable. Yep. You know, so it's it's not really an issue. Yeah. You could you pretty know, much use it. Electronics are an issue, really. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. When you're looking at the second hand market, all these things are manual focus. Very few of them have electronic gizmos inside of them, so you can get 20, 30-year-old lenses, and it's going to work almost exactly the same as the ones that are made today. And they slow you down. Yep. So there we have it. Another fabulous podcast from the folks at DNH. Um, thank you, John Harris. Thank you, Jason Tables. And thank you, Todd Vorenkamp, for joining us today. You're always welcome here. Thanks for having me. And you behaved yourself. We're very, very proud. I just knock first. I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the studio. Love what you've done with the books. <laughs> <laughs> the new wallpaper is <laughs> <Yeah>. wonderful. <laughs> So remember, as I always remind you up front, subscribe to our show if you're not a subscriber as of yet. Go to iTunes. Take a look at our landing page. Take a look at our show notes and all the links and the photographs that go along with these shows. It adds a nice extra dimension to it. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs>